Welcome, everybody, and thank you so much for accepting our invitation for this Bible study and reflection on August 2nd, 2023. Now let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and most gracious God, you have given us your living word that has endured all time. Your word does both comfort and convict us. Your word invites us into a deeper relationship with your Son and our Lord, Jesus Christ. Help us to stay rooted in your word. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so we're going to talk about Bible study. Well, you know, since this is a Bible study and reflection, why not talk about and reflect on Bible study and what that really means and how, how do we do it and why do we do it? First of all, let's start by saying my hat's off to you if you are involved in any type of Bible study, be it personal at home, corporate Bible study, in a church Bible study, small groups in your neighborhood, and you know there's so many other opportunities to engage in Bible study. If you're doing that, I applaud you. If you're not currently engaged in any type of Bible study at all, you're probably in a vast majority, sadly. But you know it doesn't have to stay that way. As I mentioned, there's so many opportunities for Bible study on so many different levels as well. Let's talk about some of the reasons, and or let's just be really blunt and call them excuses instead of reasons, why we don't engage in Bible study. And these are not in any particular order and certainly not an exhaustive list. Excuse number one, I don't have enough time. Really? <laughs> Do you have the same 24 hours that God gives everyone? It's just a matter of how we spend that God-given gift. Do you listen to podcasts, music, books on tape? Did you know that there are audio versions of the Bible? You know, I believe everyone has time for 10 minutes every day to set aside for the Bible. You know, if you can't set aside 10 minutes, then the issue isn't really a matter of time, but it's a matter of desire. That may sound harsh, but guess what? I've been there, and I'm so glad I can say I have been there, but I am not there now. All right, excuse number two. I don't understand the Bible. It's very confusing. If you've ever said that, you're in good company, my friend. But this is certainly an obstacle that can be easily overcome. Corporate Bible study, neighborhood Bible study, group study, and a wonderful free resource that you've heard me mention many, many times, BibleProject.com. It takes that strange Bible and puts it in words you can understand. It, it puts it in context. Number three, excuse number three. I understand all I need to know about the Bible. Oh, really? One thing for certain. The more I learn about the depth and richness of God's Word found in the Holy Bible, the more I personally understand and realize, the less I know. But that excites me because I know I have much more to learn. And as a bonus, my relationship with Jesus is strengthened. 
All right, excuse number four. How about this one? I'm not religious. Did you know that the Bible is the best-selling book of all time? Even secular people realize the fact that Jesus was the most influential person ever to walk the earth. Even those who don't worship God agreed that Jesus was a good person with a message of love that changed humanity. That's worth reading about. Number five, and this is a, this is a good one here. I can't even get past Genesis. I know you're going to say, here he goes again, but the tagline from the Bible Project is, the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. And guess where that story starts? Yep, you're right. Genesis, in the beginning. And you can get past it because Genesis is the basis for where you're going forward in the Bible. Number six. All right, how about this one? The Bible's full of contradictions. Much of the Bible, especially the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all of Paul's letters are eyewitness testimony. Are all eyewitnesses going to remember the same facts about the same events that they saw and witnessed? No. You know, if it was a concocted group of stories, they would all line up. They don't, and that's okay. And one final reason slash excuse it makes me feel guilty. You've probably heard it before, but God's word is convicting as well as comforting. The reason that is convicting is we see ourselves in some of these stories of the people that have done some really messy things in their lives. When it really boils down to it, we can look in the mirror and see that same messy person. But we, the good news is, the comforting news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He came to die for our salvation and the forgiveness of our sins. See, he takes that messy mess that we are and makes us good, beyond good. When God sees us, he sees us through the lens of his son, Jesus Christ. You know, if you said, what's all the fuss about? I doubt very seriously that Jesus ever held a Bible study. You'd probably be in good company there also. If you said that, but you'd be wrong. Remember what Jesus said on the road to Emmaus? Listen to his words here in, in Luke, chapter 24, verses 25 to 32. And this is after his crucifixion and resurrection. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer for these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? 
And then continuing on in Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 49, he appears to his disciples as well. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Powerful words. And that was Jesus basically telling his disciples, Do you not remember the scriptures? You know, I guess it'd be easy for us to think of the ancient Israelites as individuals and cultures that had no knowledge of Scripture. But if we thought that, we'd be wrong. When Jesus referred to the Scriptures, the prophets and the Psalms, he was referring to what was known as, at that time, or at least the first five books of the Bible, as the Jewish Bible. They knew Scripture because it was taught in synagogues and at home. It was meditated on and pondered on every day. Jesus constantly reminded his disciples and anyone that would listen that he came to fulfill the prophecies of Scripture. The first five books of the Old Testament are known as the Torah. They are also referred to as the law. No, you and I have a different connotation of the law than the ancient Israelites would have. The definition of law for the ancient Israelites was, among other things, directions, teaching, and instruction. Listen to the words of the psalmist in Psalm 1 as he speaks about the law and how it is the living water that feeds us through the roots of our hearts and souls. And this is a reading from Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So, it says that the it was the law of the Lord, and it goes on to say they meditate on it day and night. Really? Day and night. Do you think that would take more than 10 minutes today? Of course it would. The psalmist is comparing God's word to streams of water that feed us and are activated by God's Holy Spirit. 
The more we meditate on and study and read God's Word, the more equipped and prepared we will be for His humble service. If you're hung up on any of the reasons and excuses I listed earlier, or if you have some unique reasons and excuses of your own, I encourage you to seek Bible study opportunities, Sunday morning church opportunities, small group opportunities, and yes, even go online to BibleProject.com to see what this wonderful Word of God has to say to you and me. I would welcome you reaching out to me as well and be honored to help you walk with you on your faith journey, getting to know Jesus and who he was and who he is and what he did and what he is still doing for each and every one of us. The word discipleship can at times be intimidating, but just keep this in mind, disciple means learner. We all, regardless of who we are, will be learners until the day we die. Why not let part of that learning and relationship building be dedicated to drawing near to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, through engaging God's holy word? I'd like to read now Acts 8, 26 to 31. And as I do, listen to the words of Luke as he wrote in the book of Acts. The characters in the story are the Holy Spirit, Philip, and an Ethiopian eunuch. It is obvious that the Ethiopian was reading without understanding, and he asked for help. Philip was moved by the Holy Spirit. You know, that's what happens with Bible study. The more you read God's Word, the more Holy Spirit activates that Word and enables and equips you to share the Word with others. This is certainly not the first Bible study in the Bible, but it certainly is a good example of how we all need help interpreting God's Word. And here is the reading from the book of Acts. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandike, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. You know, there's one really important takeaway here. Actually, there's a lot of important takeaways. But one thing that sticks out to me is don't ever be afraid to ask for help in reading, studying, or interpreting the Bible. And that's the essence of discipleship. Remember, disciples are learners, and when the time is right, they become apostles, and they are sent out to help others establish and grow their, their relationship with Jesus. Did you notice in the story that it didn't say Philip walked up to the chariot or sauntered up to the chariot? No, it said he ran. We all need someone like Philip to help us interpret God's word. I pray that we all will grow into our church's vision statement of learning, loving, living God's Word. So I'm going to wrap up, and I started out with listing objections, reasons, excuses for not reading the Bible. Let's end on a positive note. 
What are the reasons you do read and study and love the Bible? I would invite for you to write those reasons down, ponder on them, and then share them with others. And encourage family and friends that may not be as engaged as you are to become engaged and strengthen their relationship with Jesus. Remember what God said when he spoke through the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 55, 11. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Let us pray. Most merciful and loving God, we thank you for your promises to always see us in perfect and love us that's perfect through the lens of your Son, Jesus Christ, who paid the ultimate price to make us sinners look good in your eyes. Thank you for the offer of your Son's living water, that same living water that he offered the woman at the well is available to us. Help us to plant the roots of our hearts and minds in that living water so that we may bear fruit and glorify you through our love of and service to others. We lift up this prayer in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Go in peace. Serve the Lord.